Well, awesome. This is our uh, fourth installment of Save It for Therapy. Uh, my name is Matt Long, and with me is Pastor Sam. And then we have a special guest today. Um, her name is Alicia. Alicia, are you a pastor as well? I am, yeah. Yes, I'm a pastor as well. Oh, cool. So today we have Pastor Alicia, Pastor Sam, and myself, Matt Long, who was a former minister, but we'll disregard that in today's topic. Uh, today, we are drinking a tea called Get Relaxed from the Republic of Tea. And our topic of discussion today is going to be called Judgy Christians. Hey, do you want to talk politics? Talk. Have you heard about this Uh, so Sam, do you want to jump in and talk to us about the tea that we're drinking today? Yeah, so uh, I got a, a sample pack from Republic of Tea. So the next 13 episodes will probably all be from Republic, Republic of Tea. But I decided to get relaxed, uh, to drink, get relaxed, because it is two days after the election. And seriously, some relaxation is And we still don't have needed. final results. And that's stressful. It is very, very stressful. Plus, it's actually a good thing that I chose this because I was engaging someone on Facebook about certain topics, which people get very passionate about. And so, I mean, my bad. I shouldn't have done that. I was like, should May I? I should I not? The, uh, discussion topics or is that for another show? <sighs> um, well, it was about abortion. So uh, that always gets on people. It was about abortion versus what each of the president's believe about it type of thing and then it was about abortion and what the bible says about it which you know being a pastor I, I i feel like i got to speak up with a lot of these things when it comes to bible stuff because i'm like look this is what it says it actually doesn't say that this is what you just learned throughout the years so uh yeah but i'm not going to tell anybody what my thoughts are on that probably a smart decision well, I'm glad that we're drinking Get Relaxed Tea because right now uh, we all need a little bit of stress relief from the world that we live in. Uh, so Get Relaxed, uh, their little, little little thing says, uh, stressed out and feeling kind of edgy? The good news is the caffeine-free herbal blended delivers composure in a teacup. The mood mellowing begins with the calming aroma of lavender, a blissful blend of health-promoting organic rooibos with nerve-soothing, excuse me, nerve-soothing chamomile and passion flower, along with stress-busting iluothero root, I can't pronounce that word, that helps you chill out, unbend, and unwind. So my question for you, Sam, do you feel relaxed after drinking this tea? Does it work? Yeah, but I've only had a couple sips, but I did oh, look okay. up what all of Talk these things me. are. So I will go through the ingredients because it's super crazy interesting. Okay, so the first ingredient is lavender. I think everybody knows what lavender is, maybe. Fun fact, it's part of the mint family. So we got that. Um, rooibos, we went over that for our first episode, right? Yes. Okay, so rooibos, for those who don't know, like Alicia, um, it is not technically tea, but it comes from a bush called the bush tea or red bush or something. So it's a decaffeinated leaf and you can drink it like black tea. So it has more of a fuller taste to it. So you could put sugar, you can put milk, but you can also drink it at 10 o'clock at night because there's no caffeine in it. So it's a great, um, um, whatchamacallit, alternative to black tea. So we got rooibos in there. We have chamomile. I think most people know, kind of know what chamomile is. It, it usually goes into sleepy uh, uh, herbal teas. So a couple other names for chamomile are mother's daisy because they look like little, little daisies. It's called the wig plant, W-H-I-G, but there's like 10 other names for it. Uh, fun fact though, or fun story. One time I was taking a walk with my mother-in-law and she bent down and she picked some weeds off of the ground. She was like, look, Sam, it's chamomile. And there was just a chamomile plant just randomly growing on the side of the road. So we can grow chamomile up here in, in the dry side of Washington if you want to 
So my question for you, did you pick it and then put it in the teapot or later to drink no, it? No, because I'm not the biggest fan of chamomile. Um, just don't really like the taste too much. Enough to drink it, but not enough to like, yeah, let me get some chamomile. No. Anyway, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I swear my mother-in-law grew up on a hippie commune or something because she was like, my friend showed me that you can make chamomile. So she knows stuff like that. Okay, so the next thing is passion flower. And passion flower are those like purpley flowers with the tendril uh, petals on them that you've, you would probably be like, oh yeah, that's a passion flower. They're pretty alien. Isn't lavender also purple? Yeah, but uh, passion flowers have, I'm, I'm talking more about the, the tendril uh, petals that look alien-like. Oh, okay. I'm going to look this up because I don't even know what a passion flower looks like. Yeah, but they're usually purple. They're fun. Look it up. Google it. And um, Oh, I've never seen one of these before. Those you've never cool seen ones. a passion flower before? No. These look crazy awesome. Does Matt strike you as a botanist? Um, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Spends all of his time in the arboretum <laughs> in the botanical gardens. Browsing for unique flowers. I, I love, oh, I feel like I'm being. Matt spent here. like eight years in San Diego, and you know what Balboa Park is like in the arboretum there. So, you know, no excuses for living in I, San Diego. These are gorgeous. I love them. They're fantastic. If you don't know, if you don't know what a passion flower is, and you're listening to this, please go look it up because they are absolutely beautiful. Mm, so good. All right, tell us more about the tea. Yeah, so the last thing, I'm pulling up the wrong Google thing, are the uh, Eleuthero, we might have to dub in the actual pronunciation of these, but probably not. Okay. The Eleuthero root, which is, I think, what makes the get relaxed, like this is the main thing about this tea, is this root. Because it is used... Um, it is also called Siberian ginseng. It's, it's like an offshoot of ginseng and it's a cheaper but less effective ginseng, usually found in Asia. But a lot of the health um, advantages it is that um, it helps prevent heart disease and works with your blood, but it also is used for anxiety relief, depression relief, and recovery from stress burnout. Ooh. So those are all things... <laughs> I feel like we all need, especially Alicia, since she's in like a brand new church and she is the lead pastor. I'm and it's feeling very called out by your like very relaxing tea. I'm like, <laughs> give me the caffeine and an injection, please. This is this is probably a really good tea for the the uh, political state that we're in currently. Um, awesome. Well, before we uh, continue with our tea, uh, let's get into a little bit. Uh, um, Alicia, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and what your role is? Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm um, a local church pastor. Just moved from Oakland, California to a small town in South Central Washington called Sela. Um, I would never have known it was there on the map <laughs> before I um, accepted this pastoral assignment. Um, and uh, I have been so grateful to get to know this neighborhood. It's a, a sweet little neighborhood community parish. Um, the, there are women in the church who make jam and bring you farm fresh eggs and garden vegetables. It's like small town, small church life, and I'm loving it. Um, a big part of my work is sitting with people through big moments in their life. So um, weddings, funerals, births, baptisms, um, lost jobs or new jobs, all sorts of things. So just journeying alongside people and then um, preaching on Sundays and helping people read the scriptures, which are crazy sometimes, like reading this ancient text and trying to figure out what does it say for us here and now and how then do we live? Um, yeah, so that's a bit about me and about what I do. Um, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really um, appreciate that. Um, I don't know, uh, Sam told me literally nothing about you. Um, did you actually grow up in Oakland, California, or did you grow up on the outskirts of Oakland? No, I'm from a small town on the central coast of California called Pismo Beach. It's right outside San Luis Obispo. I know Obispo. exactly where Pismo Beach 
yeah, so that's where my folks still live. My parents and my siblings are still there. Um, and then I went to university in San Diego, which is where both my parents are born and raised and lots of extended family there. So um, south to San Diego for university. And then I ended up in the Bay Area for graduate school um, and then lived and worked in the Bay for about 10 years um, before moving to the Pacific Northwest. Very cool. Uh, my family and I uh, used to have a family reunion for my grandmother every year in Pismo Beach, right in the uh, water there. So I'm very familiar with dreamy. the area. It's quite lovely. Matt, where are you from? I'm from outside of Sacramento in a small little town called Jackson, California, or Pine Grove. It's where I live currently. Well, I don't live there now, but. I hope you call it Pine Grove. That sounds way more <laughs> dreamy than Jackson, California. <laughs> I mean, but Jackson's the bigger like city, like Jackson's the bigger area where Pine Grove is like a little podunk town that no one, you drive through. Kind of like Sela versus Yakima, you know, say I'm fr I live this in Yakima right. when you actually live in Sela. This is true. Although, although most people don't know where Yakima is at. That's when you make the hand and you say Yakima is right here. And Seattle's right there and Spokane's right there. So, yeah. I That's love why that. I, I mm -hmm. asked about California because people are like, oh, I'm from this area. I'm like, no, you're not. And California's <laughs> like this. Like, San Diego's here. So <laughs> San Diego would be <laughs> Sam's armpit. <laughs> Fantastic visual representation for those that have the weird chance to... I thought Bakersville was the armpit of uh, California, though. I mean, it is, but you were just where you were pointing was <laughs> your armpit. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, awesome. Uh, so let's talk a little bit. So today's uh, topic is on uh, judgy Christians. And uh, the first verse that I want to put into context. Wait, wait, wait uh, before we say that, did we uh, talk oh. about how we like the tea? Oh, sure. I've gotten a couple sips in. Should we go? Go ahead, Sam. How do you like this tea? Yeah, it's actually uh, pretty good for not being actual tea because it's all herbal stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really liking uh, the Roy the last Roy Boys we had. I really like so yeah, it's pretty good. You feeling calm, feeling relaxed? I am feeling relaxed. That has to do with the tea or just being on this this call right now, getting away from other stuff. Um, I I like it. I don't know that I would drink it all the time. Um, it's one of those that had like I'm not a huge since it's a lot of herbal stuff I'm not a huge fan of all the herbal herbal teas um but this this is a nice uh I would call this a nice like a bedtime tea like I would drink this right before I go to bed um just because it's got the uh, relaxing relaxing ingredients and stuff like that um flavor wise I think I put too much water into my cup or my little thing here because I'm not getting quite um, as much of those like those notes of lavender and rose as I should be. It does say on the back pack to only put six ounces of water in. So not even that might be my problem. Mm -hmm. So I definitely screwed that up for the, yeah. the to get the appropriate flavors here. Um, but it is it is nice. Relaxing. Did you let it be for five to seven minutes? Because you're supposed to steep yes. herbal stuff. Okay. Yes, it's step, steeped, stepped, stepped for five to seven minutes. Steeped, because it says on the back of the pack, five to seven minutes. Well, I've got the same pack, and I can also read. Don't know if you know this. I, I wonder sometimes about that. You can read music. I know. I don't know if you can read. That's true. I'm not very, I'm not even good at that. I know. All right, Judgy Christians. All right. So can we get into it now, or do I have to wait? Yeah, sure. Fine. Cool. So uh, now that we've talked a little bit about tea um, and Sam has shown us her armpits, um, let's <laughs> go talk about judgy Christians. Uh, so the verse that always comes to mind when people think about uh, judgy Christians, uh, most Christians and non-Christians alike uh, both quote uh, Matthew 7 1 and it says judge not that ye not be judged um, and I think it's an also an interesting verse uh, who wants to take the floor I'm gonna let our special guest uh, Alicia take it uh, what are your thoughts on judgy Christians and what 
what does this even mean? Um, well, I do think your your instincts are right in terms of like putting a verse in context. And by that, pastors usually mean like, let's understand the whole story of scripture. Like what, Ooh, what is the yeah. whole story of scripture about? And then also like, what's the whole story of Jesus? And how does this fit in here? Um, and it does seem to me like in, in those moments, Jesus is talking about people who think they have the right to decide who's in and who's out like who gets to belong and who doesn't who gets to come to the party and who doesn't right the the who's part of us and who's part of them in this kind of judging situation um and it does seem that Jesus says you don't know what's going on inside of somebody other parts of our scriptures would say um, that God is the only one who knows what's in someone's heart or knows what's um what's happening in the depths of somebody's spirit. Um, and you can't always tell what's going on from an external perception um, or from someone's behavior. Um, so I think, I think it's important to remember that, that Jesus is talking to people who are trying to be the gatekeepers to decide who gets to be a part of this thing and who doesn't. And Jesus says, beware of that unless you wanna find yourselves on the outside, unless you want to find that you actually didn't get invited to the party or that you actually didn't get a chair pulled up for you. Well, I, I love what you said about Jesus's words, uh, because the ver it's verse one says, do not judge or you'll be judged as well. But if we continue reading, it says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And then will the, with the measure you use it, it will also be measured to you. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole scripture, but then it goes on to say, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Kind of talking about the idea of what you said of like, hey, what do you know? Why do you think or you don't know what's going on in your, the other person's heart or the other person's mind and whatnot? Uh, Sam, you were going to say something. I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, you do all the time. So I'm used to it. Um, oh, passive aggressive. <laughs> no, Save it for therapy. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Yeah, she knows what's going on. Um, Alicia's pulling in the uh, the title of our uh, podcast early. Well, you did put her on the spot of like starting out with this podcast. So, you know, don't point out hey. unless you also want to be pointed out. Um, but I was going to say especially with that verse, I definitely try not to judge others because there's a lot in my past I can be judged on. And so I, I, because of that past, I'm able to empathize with people a little bit more. And some say it's, it's, um, or some judgy Christians will say that me empathizing with them will rationalize their evilness or, you know, will just excuse the bad stuff in their life. I'm like, no, but you know, it's not me to judge. I'm not condemning them. I'm just here to love them. That's, that's all my job. It's God who condemns them. And who am I to say who God is going to condemn and not condemn? Yeah, that's above my pay grade. That's like, that's way outside my job description. <laughs> right. I think that's, that's the, the measure you use will be measured to you is like, I, we we have a kind of um, golden rule, right? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, and that's not exactly what Jesus says, um, but he is saying, I think the amount of empathy and compassion and loving kindness that you show to others will be shown to you or or to treat treat others the way that you want to be treated in, in that kind of way. Um, there's some other scriptures that talk about like what you sow you will also reap is sort of what you put in what you get out idea I um, mean that's an oversimplification but it does seem that Jesus is saying here when when you lead with love when you lead with empathy when you lead with compassion when you lead with peace then those are the things that grow more and more um, when you leave with credit when you lead with criticism or judgment or anger or frustration um, those are the things that grow more and more. So choose, choose what you're planting, choose what you're measuring, choose what you're putting out into the world. That makes sense. And that's actually easier to preach over in Sela since there's a lot of agriculture over here. <laughs> you can definitely do pruning uh, sermons and people will be like, yeah, totally get that. Totally understand that. <laughs> I can't really preach that. Yeah. Right. 
they're like what pruning never heard of it Sam, you also bring up a good question in, in this, uh, the pushback that people offer is like, well, doesn't that condone something that's evil or bad? And I do think a, an important question for Christians or those who say that they follow Christ is to understand the difference between judgment and discernment. Like, how do we discern what's mm. healthy or good or lovely or beautiful or full of peace and justice? How do we discern the way that Jesus is calling us to live? And how do, how do, we, how do we test and see like, like what's right and what's true? And that, that, I think, is different than the kind of judgment or judginess mm. that can be really off-putting for us, right? Um, I'm not sure I have like concrete answers to that for the podcast, but that, that seems an important distinction to say like, what's the difference between judging something and then discerning what feels true or good? Mm, that's, a, that's a great point, Alicia. Thank you for that. Um, one question that I always bring up with the idea of judgment uh, from a Christian standpoint is um, when we read like, do not judge others unless you be just judged, excuse me. Um, in a lot of the context that I see in scripture uh, about judging others, it usually comes down to judging other Christians, like mm. Christians judging Christians um, in a biblical way, as opposed to Christians judging people who are not considered Christians. Um, so why is it you? Why is it you think that we like as Christians instead of judging within our own circle? Why do we kind of put that on people who aren't professing Christ or professing Jesus? Yeah, that's I, that always boggles my mind when um, when there are judgy Christians who are judging people who are outside of our faith practice or faith tradition. Like, why would you hold those folks to the same standards that you're holding yourself to if they don't even profess to belong? To this community, um, it's it's one thing to to say to um, a, a fellow Christian with love and respect and out of like a relationship of care to say like, hey, I see you doing something that's not good or healthy for you or for your family, for your community, and you know better, right? Like that that's one thing. But then to to be super judgy about outsiders quote unquote, who don't have the same values or don't have the same commitments or who aren't even trying to travel in the same direction as you, like that's none of your business. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and even, even in scripture within, within the Christian context, oftentimes uh, we don't go through like the biblical principles of how to like confront somebody um, using what you said earlier as discernment. I think it was put uh, appropriately like if a, a brother is in, a brother or sister is in sin and how you should approach it is the first step you go to them and talk to them individually and if they don't see it and turn away you come to them with a friend or a colleague and talk to them and then if that's the case then okay now we take it before the entire like church and figure that out as a whole at least that's my understanding correct totally and and then that that just point it points to the way that like like the community that claims to follow Christ is actually called to judge some things. There are some things that have no place in the community of God, hatred, racism, sexism, violence. Those things have no place. We're called to judge them and to cut them out of our life. Um, and that, and that demands some discernment and some commitment to certain boundaries and, and a way to follow after Jesus who has shown us the way. Um, and then when you see someone within your community sort of straying from that path or, or leaning into practices um, or habits or ideas that, that don't belong to the community of God, then, then it, it is the community's responsibility to help bring them back into the light and into the truth. Um, and, and the scriptures, like you said, Matt, point out some, some, some ways to do that with graciousness and kindness and again in love as Jesus has modeled to us. It just seems so strange to me that Christians try to impose those values and those practices onto others that, that don't say that they want to do this. It's, it's one thing to say, you say that you want to follow in the way of Christ. Well, here's what that means help us help you <laughs> versus like just being kind of judgy generally. Right. Um, as you were talking, one of the things that came to my mind 
uh, was the idea of somebody in either law enforcement or somebody as a firefighter, somebody who's like called to protect and serve the community. Um, and if, if they came up to an individual like myself or you guys who are not firefighter or police officers or security and they say, okay, well, you need to uphold the law. Uh, like you need to like enforce these rules on other people and uphold the law. And it's like, whoa, like I kind of see it as like, I wouldn't want to be held to the same standards as a police officer because I'm not, I'm not wearing the uniform or I wouldn't want to be put to the same standards as a firefighter when I show up to a fire, okay, here's the hose, go. And you're like, wait, 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 like I'm not supposed to put this fire out. Or if somebody, you know, as a police officer, if somebody is like breaking the law and they came up and, and handed me a baton or a badge and said, okay, you got to go break this up. And you're like, wait a second, hold up. Like, that's not my position. Nope. I, I do think we've been, I think we've been reframing judgment and judginess in a way that I hope is helpful. Um, but also I see some pretty judgy Christians being real judgy to other Christians. I don't know about you all, but in my lifetime in the church, I've definitely been a part of prayer groups using air quotes that actually turn into gossip groups, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, I just need you to know this so that you can be praying, but so-and-so <laughs> did blah, 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 whatever, right? And so it just becomes, oh it just word. becomes this sort of the space of like gossip and, um, and judgment because somebody's Christian faith doesn't look like what you think it should look like. Right. Mm. And, um, and it's less about holding the whole community to our core values and our core standards and more about like somebody did something that you personally disagree with, whether that's politics or like pop culture engagement or whatever, like, I don't know. But I think about the things in my life that Christians judged other Christians about things like reading Harry Potter when I was a kid or like celebrating Halloween or <laughs> like all all sorts of things that like don't actually come from our scriptural tradition or our core values of love and peace and justice and they're more those like areas of discernment that Christians can get real judgy about real fast yeah um I love it when people judge uh, those people who play Dungeons and Dragons saying that it's a satanic game and stuff. And I always love bringing up that the, the creator of Dungeons and Dragons was a very strict Catholic. I mean, he was Christian because Catholics are Christian for those of you who don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was yeah, or I mean, or they they judge people who have tattoos or piercings yeah. or they're 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 very particular physical manifestations of like, oh, you couldn't possibly be a Christian. Or for me, it's more you couldn't possibly be a pastor because of mm. the way that you look or or those those kinds of things. Um and I think I think that gets a little bit more problematic, less about um, who are we and who are we called to be and how do we do that faithfully but more like you don't look like what I thought what I think you should look like you're not doing what I think you should be doing do people tell you that you're too young to be a pastor or you're just so young yeah I do I do get the I do get the young comment but I'm also not like that that young anymore I'm 31 which isn't like a fresh little sweet baby <laughs> like I you also still look very young, but I get told that a lot. They're like, you're so young to be a pastor, yeah. an associate pastor, freshly out of college. And I'm, I'm like, most of the male pastors I know, they went from high school to college to a church. So they got, they were lead pastor at like 24, 25 years old. So at 37, I am not a young pastor. I am kind of old. <laughs> But, but it is it is crazy that like within our pastoral core, our pastoral cohort that frequently when we're when we would be at like district events or whatever, we would very clearly be some of the youngest in the room that most everyone is like mid 50s and above right so there is like quite a big age gap there. Um, I, I remember being at a conference. Um, back when we could do those things and <laughs> gather safely <laughs> pre-pandemic. I remember being at a conference and I had just been recently appointed to the church assignment before this one at Hayward. And I was introducing myself like, hi, I'm Alicia, I pastor at Hayward. Um, or I was recently appointed at Hayward or something like that. And then somebody like, after I'd literally just said that, the person I was talking to said like, oh, Hayward, who's the pastor there? And I was like, <laughs> me, 
I just told you, I just told you it was me. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Right. But it just was like, he, he assumed that because I was young, I don't know, maybe, maybe because I was female, I, I'm not sure, but like some, something about how I was presented in that moment didn't strike him as pastoral mm -hmm. and so his first question was like oh well like who's the real pastor <laughs> oh, it couldn't man. be you um and he was like immediately apologetic he's like I'm so sorry I didn't mean to make those assumptions like and <laughs> it it prompted a really interesting conversation just because there's so many of those um those visual cues that are uh culturally embedded in our minds that sometimes we don't even recognize we're being judgy um and and we need some of those encounters with, I hope, grace and gentleness that help correct that so that we can see more clearly, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting that you bring up uh, that little, uh, I guess, debacle you had uh, there, because I see uh, both you and Sam are both female pastors, um, and or pastors who are women, excuse me. Um, and I, I can't imagine kind of like, maybe some people that like don't necessarily agree with that or judge you based off of uh just you know your gender um but we're gonna be getting into uh women in uh pastoral roles later that's a that's a whole nother episode right i just wanted to bring uh, i just wanted to touch on that just a tiny bit just to kind of say like it's interesting like based off of whether it be you know sex whether it be whether you're married or single, whether it be the color of your skin, whether it be you have tattoos, whether it be you have piercings, whether it's case in point, whether depending on what uh, denomination you are, um, whether you drink or whether you smoke, because I know, um, I think it's in Baptist culture that a lot of people like smoke pretty heavily. Um, you know, oh, you're not Christian if you do these things. You're not Christian and it's just like kind of getting into the okay, like, what are our core values as Christians? What really matters and what really doesn't? And I think, Alicia, you pointed out some really awesome, like, we get into this, like, pop culture things of, like, here's, I don't agree with you on these bits, therefore you are not, or therefore you are, you know, in the in crowd or in the out crowd kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, we can get into these places where we say, because your faith doesn't look like my faith, you must not be a person of faith. Um, and I think, I think that's where, where Jesus's words, don't judge lest you be judged, um, are a cautionary tale or that kind of warning. Um, Sam and I both, uh, pastor in, um, in the Nazarene tradition or a Wesleyan holiness tradition. And John Wesley is credited with saying, who knows if he actually said this, cause I think it's attributed to several people. Um, but we'll claim, we'll claim it. <laughs> John Wesley, uh, he says, um, when it comes to this judgment stuff about figuring out who we are and how then we live, he says, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. In essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and all things, charity. Which basically means when it comes to the core essentials, we are unified and agreed. When it's those like non-essential superficial things, there's liberty, there's freedom. And in all things, we have charity or love or kindness or empathy. Man, that is, I think this is like the perfect like podcast episode to be doing just at the time that we're sitting in as a country, the time that we're sitting in like, as a as a whole because that's such a man i just that that right there i'm just like and whenever we do like we still are these core things but like we have the freedom to like be different and yet unite as a whole which mm -hmm. i think is really really powerful you know i like what you said about the non-essential things we have freedom because you are a collar wearing priest and in mm -hmm. the Nazarene church, we have that freedom to wear a priest collar or not. We have the freedom to go with the liturgy or to just preach whatever we want to. We have so much freedom within the Nazarene church. And that's one of the, the reasons why I like that. Right, right. And, um, and then it frees us up to have really like formative dialogue about it to say like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a a culture that leans heavily on the liturgy because I find that rhythm and that structure really meaningful. Um, but there are other folks who I pastor alongside who lean way more into like a charismatic, free-flowing, spirit-led 
revivalist sort of space and we learn from each other we teach each other and we all we all can exist under this the church of the nazarene is fond of saying we're a big tent right like that there's space mm -hmm enough for all of those expressions and that um, we each learn something about the character of God and the character of God's community when we um, when we honestly and authentically engage in those conversations rather than saying like just because that doesn't look like what I would do it's wrong you know mm -hmm. Matt um, I was just going to bring up that you've been told before by a couple of your pastors about why you can't be advancing in leadership yeah, um, so I was going to bring that up, up, up a little bit earlier. So I've, um, I was a worship leader, or have been a worship leader in many contexts uh, within the Nazarene church and within, the, within several different denominations. Um, a, a little bit about me background wise, uh, I'm a single white uh, male um, who has grown up in the church all his life. Um, and in the position of worship leader and the position of leadership and within the church, um, in those positions of leadership, I had, um, my pastors and I won't name names or specifics, uh, basically look at me and say, well, you just don't understand because you're not married. Um, granted I have a, a one degree in music and ministry and my second degree is in teaching. And I've been a professional musician since I, since high school. Um, in some ways, uh, getting paid for different styles of music all the way up. Um, and this is being in the worship leading position and um, basically saying, oh, well, you didn't have the right leadership to handle that because you're not, because you're single and you don't understand uh, the complexities of relationships and the complexities of how, how life works. Uh, and so I've definitely had moments where um, I've been looked down on uh, because I'm young um, and I might not have the breadth of experience as some other pastors and or worship leaders do, um, but I still was very, like, I still showed up every day. I still, like, worked in the capacities and grew the worship teams that I was on, even though I didn't quite have the, like, the marriage behind me, and I just thought it was funny because I didn't know that my pedigree, um, as a person depended upon whether or not I had a significant other in my life. Did we forget that Jesus wasn't married? Right. <laughs> did, yeah, did we forget that Jesus was never married? Did we forget that Paul was never married? Did mm -hmm. like, if we disqualified unmarried people, we wouldn't have the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, and I think it comes, and I think it becomes from like, we talked a little bit about this last time, but it it comes from our American culture saying yeah. that if you are unmarried without kids, then you haven't quite reached the pinnacle of human existence um, because we have this like cookie cutter idea of what your life should look like. Um, oh, you don't have a wife and you don't have kids. You don't look like me. And so you don't look like me. Therefore, you don't understand like I understand. Right, right. Um, I feel like I've even experienced a kind of flip side of that, where I feel like as as a single minister, um, the assumption is I must not have a life. Like there must not, I like, I don't have right. to get home to kids. I don't have to pick up kids from school. I don't, so so therefore I should be on the clock 24 seven. And that's, oh, that's totally unfair. Because she doesn't have anything at home. Exactly, yeah, right. Or like, oh, we can, we can just call her anytime because like right. you don't have a real family life, right? But my friends are my chosen family. Also sidebar, I like to tell people that in the past, since I moved out of my parents' house at 18, I'm 31 now, so do the math. But in, in that season, I have lived in 10 residences with 40 roommates. If that doesn't qualify me for like relational <laughs> expertise, I don't know what does. Like, right. And, and th like those are places of deep formative um, relational groundwork. Malcolm Gladwell is famously quoted as saying like, you need 10,000 hours of experience before you're an expert. I have it. I put in the time. I did, did it. 
right? Like just because I'm not married doesn't mean I can't understand conflict resolution or commitment to relationships or navigating changing seasons. Like I just, I'm getting worked up, walking it back. <laughs> it just feels like totally ridiculous to say you're not qualified for leadership because of your, your marital status or the boxes that you check on a census form. Like that's silly. Mm-hmm. Right. And for me, especially in those moments, it definitely, it felt like it took away who I was. It's like, you don't mean anything unless you have somebody else. And it was just, it felt felt very like, like, oh, you're only worth what somebody else, when somebody else is around, or if you're attached to somebody. And I was just like, whoa, hang on there. If we, if, especially within the church, I'm like, if we're talking my worth should not come from a significant other like my worth at least in the church my worth should come from god worth should come from christ and what that looks like and so i think it's very interesting and this is the radical invitation of following jesus jesus says you're invited to come exactly as you are this has been the story of god and god's people like throughout throughout the whole history of humanity the whole history of our scriptures god is always picking the people who shouldn't be picked or the people who should be picked last, right? Like, cause God doesn't look at those external things. Um, and in fact, so many of our scriptures say that like, it's just those things that the world would consider weak or undesirable or not useful or whatever. It's just those things that God uses particularly to show God's own power, to show God's own work, to to show God's own glory, right? That like, I don't know if, if anything, the judgy Christian should say, you seem like you might be a little bit unqualified, quote unquote. Well, let's see what God can do. Like if you've, if you've been reading the stories about like about Abraham and Sarah or about Gideon or about David or like all of, all of the people who are held up as heroes, in the scriptures are almost always the super weirdo outcasts, the ones that nobody would have chosen, right? But God seems to have a soft spot for them. So if anything, a judgy Christian comes to the place of like, you seem like you're maybe not qualified for this. Like, huh, I wonder what God is doing. <laughs> I mean, ultimately I would like them to just say like, you you are who you are and God has called you. And so let's keep on keeping on without the judginess, but. right. Anyway, <laughs> Trust my Paul. stop questioning God. Gosh, darn it. So I guess before we kind of to close up this, I, I have two questions and you, <laughs> both of you can answer that. And there's a dog going haywire in the other room. Hold on. All right, let's try this again. Um, <laughs> maybe. It, it's, it's okay, Matt. There's nothing wrong with having a background dog. I know, but I just like being able to like, um, to, to finish up, I have two questions kind of uh, to close out what we're talking about a little bit is um, one in the context of Christianity and Christian values, how do we best, uh, I don't want to say judge, but how do we like, how do we, yeah, how do we confront others appropriately without being this like, oh, you're just judging me because I'm doing something you don't like. Um, like, how do we approach that? How do we approach judgment within the Christian world? And then my second question would be, from Christian to non-Christian, how do we approach confrontation? When someone doesn't agree with us in the Christian spectrum, and when someone doesn't agree with us in the non-Christian spectrum, how? what's our response to that? And how do we... How do we approach that? Well, I think the first thing you should do, Christian or non-Christian, is, well, number one, pray about it, but then come to them in love. Because if you come to people in anger, a lot of times they'll just they'll just shut off and they will push you back right away. So you got to come at them in love. You got to come at them in understanding. You got to come at them in empathy, in patience, mm-hmm. all of the freaking fruits of the spirit. Just come at them with all those things. All of the freaking fruits of the spirit. Yeah, I and That's- and to 
that's going on a sticker (laughs) expand a little bit on on that i think the way some of that looks in like concrete tangible ways is asking open-ended questions say hey would you tell me more about this or would you help me understand right if you've seen someone make a choice that seems uh dangerous or unethical or outside of christian values and they're part of the christian community you say hey i noticed these things Will you tell me more about that? Will you tell me how you got there? Help me fill in the gaps, right? So like ask a question that prompts someone to tell the story. Maybe there's something that you don't know. Maybe there's something you don't understand and start with that place of letting people say more, right? Um, approach, approach those conversations first with curiosity. And I think that can help us keep that judginess at bay a little bit, right? Because there might be more to the story. There might be something that you don't know. Um, so, so start there. And then as, as the conversation unfolds, you say like, oh, well, for me, 90s kid, I'm always asking, what would Jesus do? <laughs> like, like is, so as you're having these conversations, yes, yes. Um, you say like, oh, I, I noticed that in this Facebook conversation, things seem to get a little heated. Tell me more about that. Like, do you think that's how Jesus would have us talk to each other? And to ask some of those leading questions, um, that's at least been like a really helpful pastoral tool for me is to just help people think and reflect on their experience and trust that the spirit is working all the freaking fruits of the spirit and bringing people to a place of understanding and, um, and hopefully conversion um, or uh conversion in the in the biggest sense of the word as like repentance turning turning around changing your mind changing your heart and changing your direction um we we know that it's it's god who changes hearts like that's not our responsibility we can't like manipulate or force people into do that um but i think by offering space for people to reflect and to think about their own actions and behaviors and to say like i notice these things these actions behaviors um these tendencies and here are the things I know to be true about who Jesus is and who Jesus has called us to be. And I see a disconnect. What do we do about that? Um, I think that's a, that's a space that opens up greater potential for meaningful conversation rather than just something that's punitive or punishing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, one of the things that came to mind um, for me in that um, what you were saying, both Sam and Alicia, is the idea of relationship first. Um, I think within the Christian world and sometimes even the non-Christian world, um, we forget that the other person is human. We forget the other person is an actual person. Um, and we generally attack something we don't quite understand because we're afraid or we're scared or we're, we just don't know, we don't understand. Um, and what I've learned a lot in the past couple of years, especially, is that like looking at somebody as a human and as a person first and saying, oh, I have a relationship with you. And I'm noticing that, hey, like I feel a disconnect in our relationship because of this, mm-hmm. or I feel a disconnect because of this, or just even, you know, as Christians, we're called to love. And if we really love and care about somebody, like you really kind of want to, to form that relationship, to form that, like that bond that, you know, that humans have with one another and say, Hey, I care about you. And I've just noticed that this kind of behavior, you know, even setting boundaries of like, Hey, I don't really like this when you act like this around me, when we're with a group of people or, you treat me differently in this regard or dot, dot, dot. And actually coming at it from a, hey, I have a relationship with you and I care about you a lot. Therefore, I don't wanna be treated like this. Therefore, I don't think you should be treating others like this. Therefore, can we either do something about it or how can we approach this to be better humans, better people moving forward? Yeah, I think remembering um, that we're all made in the image of God. Whether we are professing Christians or not, we believe that every human is made in the image of God and that ought to change 
that ought to impact how we treat each other, right? If we, if we really had that foundational truth, that would change how we saw one another, how we spoke to one another, how we treated each other, that everyone bears the image of God. Man, I like this podcast making me super excited. I like it. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, do, do we have any closing arguments or closing thoughts before we describe our tea and then get out of here? I was just going to thank Alicia for her wonderful insight into um, uh, some great biblical knowledge of um, about judging. And uh, thank you for being a guest here on our podcast because it's been a fantastic pleasure having you. And as always, I thank Sam for her insight and her quirkiness. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. It's been so fun. Should we close out? Should we yes. uh, talk about the tea one last time? Well, I yeah, I am done with my tea. Uh, I'm still drinking mine. Oh, because you put yours in like 20 tons of water. Right. It's relaxing though. I feel really relaxed. But I think it might be part of this. I just, I like being on. I like doing this. This is fun for me. That's why you're trying to become a music artist because you like the spotlight. Oh yeah, you know. I love just being the center of attention always. <laughs> it's true. I do. Yes. Much FOMO in this area of Matt. Wow. Different day, different subject. Uh, today we are drinking British breakfast tea. My hobby, which is watching television. You're kind of a normal person. I like to be a little bit more anonymous than that. Oh, that person shops at H and M. We should shop there too. He wears these incredibly tight pants. They both have really thick eyebrows. No, no, no. We don't. We don't need a fact checker. It'll be okay. And yes, it's got actual bits of Africa. Hi, I'm Alicia, and I. When I'm not pastoring, I co-host a podcast with a plain account. It's an online Wesleyan lectionary commentary. So I know that's super specific, but we talk about the lectionary texts for preachers who are preaching through the lectionary, through the Christian calendar. So you can follow us on social media um, check us out on our website, aplainaccount.org. Um, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and tune in. Hopefully you'll enjoy some of our conversations about scripture and interpretation and application. Even if you're not a preacher, we'd love to have you tune in. And if you want to connect with me outside of the podcast, you can follow me on social media. I'm just um, at Alicia McClintock, either on Instagram or Twitter. And you could check out my blog. I'm not super regular about posting. I'll give you that caveat, but it's just aliciamcclintock.com. And if you're interested in some of my thoughts about faith and life, I'd love to meet you there at my home on the web. If you guys have any problems about what we've talked about today, if you've realized that you are a judgy Christian, save it for therapy. Mm -hmm.